Welcome to episode 194 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode of the podcast, we pay tribute to Tommy Radonikus. We farewell Jake Friend and Michael Morgan from the NRL. We discuss the latest from the Brisbane Jets' ambitious bid to join the NRL, France to possibly host the 2025 World Cup, and much, much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 194 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, how have you been this week? Oh, Dr. T, I've been good. A bit of a rollercoaster week in the NRL, must say, but I've got to say some uh, really exciting footy. Um, and uh, yeah, and I feel it feels like uh, weather-wise, the winter has come upon us. It's getting so cold here. So uh, just as it gets cold, the rugby league is heating up. How about yourself, Dr. T? Yeah, you're right. Look, it's, it does certainly feel like that cold snap has uh, has led to some very strange things in the world of rugby league. But, uh, but yeah, look, um, obviously we're going to talk about a little bit about Tommy Radonikas, who is one of the, the great characters of the game, unfortunately mm-hmm. passed away uh, during, the, during the last week. Uh, but yeah, look. Uh, in 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 positive news, I mean, there's always uh, you know the the roller coaster of rugby league emotions. Uh, there was quite a, a like, as you said, quite a lot of good footy on this weekend. A lot to look forward to. And uh, and look, I got to say, one of the highlights, uh, um, you know, one of the the stars of the league at the moment, we're seeing uh, in Ryan Pappenheisen. Uh, you know, he of the strange spiky-haired mullet. Yes. <laughs> Have you seen him? It's it's grown from a mullet to some, I don't know what it is. A hedgehog? I was going to say, Tish, if, he, if his nickname is not Sonic, then yeah. I am ashamed of being a rugby league <laughs> follower because, what do they call him, Pappy or something? That's so unimaginative. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. Not only is he the fastest player in the game, he looks like a hedgehog and he's a blue. I mean, <laughs> how perfect could you get? He's got to be called Absolutely. Sonic. He's got to be called Sonic. But anyway, yeah. look, he was he was in scintillating form this weekend and he's I think he's rocketed to the top of the Dally M leaderboard at the moment. So he is going great guns and uh, looking forward to State of Origin with Pappy on our side or Sonic. Well, potentially, there's a bit of a... Uh... Oh, no. There is uh, Tedesco and Pevenhausen going head to head this uh, wow. you know, this this week, and uh, yeah, <laughs> let's see if Ryan if Ryan Pevenhausen outplays James Tedesco, who was the captain of the New South Wales State Blues uh, in the last Origin game. Uh, it'd be in, it'd be hard not to pick him, right? Because you got to remember he wasn't even picked in the squad last year. From, um, That's yeah, true. That's so, right. Yeah. Well, Tish, um, oh, you, 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 this will go back to the the rugby league, the Australian Kangaroos of the nineties, when we had Ricky Stewart and Alan Langer 
and we always felt and they were you know two of the best players in the game and you felt really terrible that one of them had to miss out but at some point yeah. they found a way to actually include both of them in the squad and i think that's what we need to do here it's a no-brainer you need to include them both teddy and sonic in the yeah, same in the same uh in the same team it's got to happen let's do it yeah. peter Valandis, well, get get him onto it yeah, look, Sonic, Teddy, and uh, let's not forget, uh, coming back from injury um, is Turbo. <laughs> That's all. Oh, wow. Embarrassment of riches up at the fullback position, don't we? It's unbelievable. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We either have a great New South Wales team or we have a fantastic set of toys. Um, <laughs> and, and midfield bombs. <laughs> midfield bombs, absolutely. Let's, let's just do that. Let's not go any further, but all right. Look, let's we've got a lot to get to, so let's get into our six tackles. So here we go with tackle number one, and it's the news update. All right, so obviously the sad bit of news that we're going to talk about is Tommy Radonikus, uh, who passed away this week. Now, because we're going to do a full uh, section or a full tackle on this discussion and our tribute to Tommy Radonikus later, we'll just sort of uh, just in passing say, uh, you know, how how terribly sad this was. He's one of the greatest characters in the game that we've ever seen. And uh, there was such an outpouring of emotion from across the divide, uh, New South Wales, Queensland, wherever, uh, people really do recognise that uh, even though he was a one-eyed blue supporter, he was very much, um, you know, very much a character that we need in the game at this point in time. And and so, uh, yeah, look, without any further ado, I think we just we'll, we'll talk more about it in in the next section. Uh, but the other bits of news that, that there's a few NRL kind of farewells. Uh, yeah. First, we've got Jake Friend and Michael Morgan retiring within the same week effective immediately now michael morgan's is due to uh, chronic problems with his shoulder uh, obviously this is a player that we we spoke about once has been you know when thurston uh wasn't there for the cowboys he basically took over and became the main playmaker where he wasn't really groomed to be and he really filled the role really well so he will be very sorely missed at the cowboys and i think with the the injuries unfortunately got the better of him towards the latter part of his career he was only 29 uh so thank you michael Morgan for uh, for the great memories, but um, Tish Jake Friend as well retired, but in a more uh, I wouldn't say sinister, but in a more difficult circumstance. He's had so many concussions that he's been told, look, he really risks uh, major major problems if he gets concussed again. And uh, on medical advice, he has been forced to retire effective immediately. So. Look, both really great stalwarts for their club. Uh, Jake Friend has been at the Roosters for a very, very long time. Obviously, Queensland player as well. Uh, so two great Queensland players in the modern era uh, are, are being farewelled this week. Tish, uh, what are your thoughts on uh, both Michael Morgan and Jake Friend? And, uh, yeah, what does the Jake Friend one in particular mean for the concussion debate? Well, I think uh, both of them are very... Uh well, both of them, uh, it's good that uh, the health or, and welfare of these players are being put in front of uh, actual sort of, I suppose, money, uh, and that's kind of a rarity sometimes in the NRL. Um, but look, both Michael Morgan and Jake Friend, you know, they've both consulted doctors and, you know, and in both situations, you know, whether it's, 
you know, actual, you know, shoulder problems or, you know, head concussion um, have done the best thing for themselves and best thing for their long-term future. And I think that's what it's all about. Um, for Michael Morgan, he was a great player, like, you know, 2017, the year of Morgan, um, where they had that incredible run without JT and got all the way up to the to the finals, but on the back of his form. And, uh, you know, he was he was setting up tries, uh, even walking up the field. Um, he was uh, he was that sort of in control and... Uh, yeah, just to, you know, not too long after that, you've seen you know the injuries and and uh, yeah, but look, I think he's had a great career. He's played for Australia and and so forth. And look, and I think with Jake Friend, look, I think the concussion, um, this could be a very historic um, type of retirement because he could be the first of many players who choose um, to sort of um, you know by when they get too many concussions when you know, the trauma becomes a bit of an issue that they that they decide to retire based on the quality of life. Apparently, he's got so many things set up for himself post-rugby post league, um, owns a couple of businesses, um, you know, has a young family and so forth, and really has made a great decision, I think. So, um, and I think it does open up that debate. You know, there are some people that are still in denial whether, you know, concussion, um, you know, protocols, are they necessary? Is it... You know, is the research that big of a problem? You know, I think some people are saying that the links between sport and uh, and these type of injuries are are still quite unknown. But I think overall, I think once you've played the number of games both these players have had, um, the fact that you've represented Australia, the fact that you've represented Queensland, the, and the fact that you've you know had your had your um, goals met. Do you really need to risk any further injury by uh, playing on? Um, you know, what's there to gain? Um, you know, both are premiership winners, and I think, and I think ultimately they kind of it's a hard decision, and uh, and I think that they've actually made the right decision. So, so hopefully, um, yeah, let's uh, you know, I suppose let, let's pay tribute to them, and, um, and and you know, and hopefully, like this is kind of um, inspiration for other players out there who. Are going through similar sort of injuries and situations where, um, you know, they don't have that peer pressure of continuing to play up until you know their late thirties, if then though it's not necessary. Yeah, and I look at the Jake Friend one is interesting because one of his teammates actually on the other side of the the uh, the great state of origin uh, aisle is uh, Boyd Cordner would also be I think in in. A similar uh, in a similar situation. I mean, he seems to quite often get, um, you know, get uh, get concussed or, or that sort of injury, which is is kind of terrible. But it's something needs to be looked into. So I think Boyd Cordner, and, he, and he's had a few in the, just in the last couple of years, pretty serious ones. So I think uh, let's see what happens. But let's hope that Boyd Cordner gets the same kind of. Uh, uh, advice as well that he looks after himself. He's already achieved so much. So, um, but yeah, I think you're right. I think they, they both should be commended for uh, doing what they need to do. For the best thing for their club is to move on and not, uh, and the best thing for their health and their lives. So that's all good. But the next uh, new-ish kind of news item that's only happened in the last couple of days is uh, has to do with the sharks. Now the sharks have let. John Morris go footloose. Uh, we have a new. Well, we kind of knew they weren't going to go with him because uh, they did sort of reject his uh, request to get an extension mid contract. Uh, he his contract was only until the end of this year, and they rejected the the extension uh, early on, and instead opted to kind of look for other 
uh, options, and they found one. So who have they found, Tish, to replace John Morris as coach oh, of Cronulla? Well, they've found Craig Fitzgibbon. Um, so, yeah, so Tuesday the 13th of uh, April uh, 2021, apparently at about 4 p.m., uh, Craig Fitzgibbon went in to the Shark Tank uh, with a proposal uh, for, you know, for an investment into three years uh, with with uh, other, uh, you know, sort of junior coaches. He's he's had experience coaching, you know, being under Trent Robinson in the in the Rooster system for a few years. Um, apparently, um, they're also looking at the assistant coach at the Panthers to also come on board as well, um, Cameron Serraldo. So it's actually a, a duo where uh, Fitzgibbon will be the head coach and his assistant coach will be the assistant coach of the Panthers. And uh, the two have been signed at 4 p.m. Then at 5 p.m., uh, John Morris was called in um, wow. uh, to see whether he will continue on for the rest of the season. Um, he's decided not to continue effective immediately, which now has put Josh Hannay um, as the interim coach for the year. This is actually John Hannay's. Apparently, it's his second stint as a, a, a caretaker coach. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah, so he's... Uh, you know, if he if he has one more stint as a caretaker ch- coach, Josh Hannay, he will actually he will actually be the uh, you know the most appointed caretaker coach because uh, I think he's uh, equal second with George Arliss at the moment. So. <laughs> wow, that's so, yeah. pretty funny. Uh, I thought I thought you were going to say he gets a commemorative medal or something. But no. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Look, but look, I think at the early early in the year, I can't remember who the crystal ball predictions were, but I, I've got to say, like from my point of view. I feel like a guy that's actually got them to the top eight um, two years in a row. Um, he hasn't had to. He hasn't. He has, he's had the inability to sign any players because the, you know for the two years that he was coach, they were penalised um, because of salary cap indiscrepancies. Um, he's got an aging roster. Um, and he's got players that he's he's got like players that are you know taking up a million dollars in the salary cap. Um, you know, unfit to play in terms of Andrew Fafita and Sean Johnson and so forth. Um, but yeah, he's seemed to do a, a remarkable job, but apparently not good enough for the Sharks. So, um, and Craig, like, you know, if it would fair enough if they'd signed Craig Bellamy or Wayne Bennett or, you know, Tim Sheens or some sort of decorative coach, but they've gone for, they've replaced one rookie with another rookie. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if, if it's the most wisest move. Um, for, from the sharks, but only time will tell. What about your thoughts, Doctor T? Uh, yeah, look, it's uh, you're right. I think to go if they had actually an option to go to where they had a tried and tested NRL coach, then you'd understand. But they've just gone for someone who's never actually head coach before. Um, mm. It's just like at this point, you know, even Trent Barrett would have been a better choice on paper, even though he's not yeah. doing so well at the moment at the Bulldogs. But look. I don't know. I think this is not a very smart move, but we don't know. Look, maybe they were really impressed with, uh, with Craig Fitzgibbon. Maybe there's something about him. Maybe they saw some potential. But, look, I think um, time will tell. But I think, yeah, you're right. I think given the 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 limitations that he had placed on him, I think John, uh, John Morris did has done very well to – Yeah, um, yeah to uh, – to basically look, take them as far as they can go. Yeah, exactly. Maybe he's just too younger looking. Like uh, he still looks like he can play John Morris. Maybe that was the problem, you know. And then uh, 
you know, maybe uh, they had to go for the more elder statement, you know. <laughs> uh, I think it's a hair. I think they needed, they wanted to go to someone without any hair. They figured, they figured, you know, they, they wanted to do a Paul McGregor kind of thing, you know. <laughs> Although yeah, they right. might end up in the same way, so who knows. Um, all right, so let's move on to uh, tackle number two, our last round review. Here we go. All right, so round five wrap, and first up we had the Rabbitohs flogging the Broncos 35-6. to six. We had the Manly Warringah Sea Eagles sensationally winning a 13 points to 12 against the Warriors, courtesy of a Daily Cherry Evans uh, field goal. I think it was in the last, like, five seconds or so. Um, Penrith Panthers 30, Canberra Raiders 10. The Panthers still on top of the table undefeated. The Titans 42 defeated, Newcastle Knights 16. The Melbourne Storm 52 against Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs 18. And congratulations, Canterbury, your first points of the season in game... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or it feels like it. Uh, you know, there you go. So um, that's not I think true it's after three rounds, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, Cronulla, well, the Roosters 26 defeating Cronulla Sharks 26, uh, sorry, 18. So 26 to 18 yep. was the score there. The Cowboys' revenge for the 2005 Grand Final against the Tigers, 34 to 30, a very high-scoring game, which is what you expect from these two sides. And... The Dragons, 26-12 against my mighty Eels, or not so mighty. Tish, it was an interesting round. Some upsets uh, and some uh, some of the top top of the table teams going further ahead. What was, what was your highlight game? Okay, well, look, I've got to say this was a disruptor round in my eyes because this is the round where... The upset started to happen. Um, some, you know, some some interesting scorelines. Obviously, you know, Manly winning um, was kind of a shock, I think, to everybody. Uh, you know, the Sharks led eighteen um, points to four at halftime, and then um, the Roosters came back with young Sam Walker, which to me is actually the highlight of the round because um, at eighteen points to four down, um, you know, they they look down and out the Roosters and the fact that they were able to come back after, uh, I think they lost last week as well. Um, so to come back from a loss, they've lost Luke Keary. A lot of people were saying that, that, you know, they may not be able to make it without Keary and so forth. Uh, but to bring a young 18 year old in, um, 18, 19 year old, uh, the, you know, the, I think he's, uh, one of, I think he's, uh, his dad is one of the Walker brothers, um, you know, from Ipswich Jets fame. So, um, oh, yeah. you know, so, yeah, so he's got a bit of creativity, and all of a sudden, he's been man- managed to land the upset by coming back. And he actually set up the lot. He actually scored one try right at the end, and he actually set up the other one. So they won off the back of their new young halfback, which is quite exciting. So I think the Roosters being able to 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 beat the Sharks, and what are the consequences? You know, if the Sharks had had beaten the Roosters, um, I just wonder if if John Morris kept his job. Um, so, (laughs) you know, so, so the consequences were, were there, but look, I think that was a, to me, that was a highlight of, of, uh, you know, obviously I'm trying to avoid the, the, uh, the absolute, um, you know, tri-fest that was on at Leichhardt where the Tigers (laughs) failed to kick, uh, I think they only kicked two out of six goals, which, uh, obviously cost cost them the, 
the match. But look, um, yeah, yeah. But I think out of yeah, and and obviously the upset result from St George, the first uh, the first bottom eight team from last year to beat a top four team. Um, so that's uh, that's uh, you know the the V is actually yeah disrupting what we thought was going to happen this year. How about yourself, there, Doctor T? Uh, yeah, look, I, I was going to say uh, the Dragons, of course, but they were already on three games uh, on the in a row, a winning trot. So I think was it this one that made it four in a row, I believe. So you know they've yeah. already been doing pretty good, but to me the big one was Manly. Uh, they were absolutely on the outer, and uh, you know Daily Cherry Evans for all the all the crap that he gets uh, from both sides of the of the state of Origin Isle, he definitely, uh, you know, he's in some, on some occasions he's he's a clutch player, absolutely, and he was the case in this match as well. He set them up and did what he needed to do to get the get the win, and uh, you know nothing's as good as a win when you've been losing and. You're you're only in the news for negative reasons, and so I think this to me was the highlight is the fact that Manly have now stepped up. It was kind of a surprise for me, um, I think. But look, yeah, like I said, the uh, the Eels and the Dragons was an interesting one. I have I have to admit it was up there as uh, an entertaining game. Let me say, not necessarily a happy one as an Eels fan. Uh, there's certainly a lot of soul searching that needs to be done there in the Eels, but and the the Dragons I think have adapted probably the best out of the teams last year that didn't fare so well uh, with the new rules. So I think whatever they're doing at the Dragons, keep it up because uh, it'll be exciting to see the Dragons possibly head to the finals again. So well done. All right. Let's move on to uh, our main tackle. So tackle number three, uh, spotlight on uh, Tommy Radonikus. Here we go. So, tackle number three, Vale Tommy Radonikus. Rugby League has lost a true mate following the death of Tommy Radonikus. Tommy Terrific, they used to call him. Uh, and many people who played and coached with him have now lost uh, a great character in the game. So, the former Australian halfback who represented the positive aspects of Rugby League's selfless and sacrificial character died at 7.15am last Wednesday in a Gold Coast hospital, six days short of his 71st birthday. And Tish, uh, some a very sad news. It was an outpouring of emotion. Quite a lot of different players and officials and people who knew Tommy, uh, you know, recounted some great stories about what kind of a character he was. Um, you know, known for being tough as nails, kind of old school character. He was all about uh, you know, players being tough on the field, having mental resilience, getting on with it. Um, sometimes he took it too far. <laughs> I think there are lots of stories. You know, we, we've we've actually seen the footage. It's a, it's classic footage of of uh, of Tommy slapping around his uh, Western Suburbs. I believe it was a Western Suburbs teammate when he was playing. Uh, yeah. Just before getting into the game. Uh, to psych them up and and get them ready to go. So, you know, it it it's that kind of character. And let's not forget, um, 
you know, he was the one that invented the cattle dog call mm. for the New South Wales Blues, you know, later to be copied uh, by the Queenslanders with the very imagine- imaginatively titled Queenslander call. <laughs> he at least came up with something different, which was cattle dog. Mm. Uh, you know, again, a call to get in there and start punch up, <laughs> basically get in and start, um, start getting tough and, and look, he was that kind of a character that, um, you know, we've lost quite a few over the years, you know, the old school characters who um, who really uh, harken back to, you know, more of a, well, I would say more brutal kind of form of the game, uh, a rougher, tougher form of the game uh, back in the 70s when it was really tough. And, um, and in some ways, that kind of um, character battled against the modernization of the game where some of the the risks has been kind of legislated out of the game and uh, you know in order to appeal to a mass audience so people like Tommy wouldn't have a bar of that and uh, you know we, we we know about the 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 spoof character Reg Reagan that Matt Maddie Johns uh, has kind of uh, invented years ago in on the footy show and uh, and and his famous phrase bring back the biff well the real life proponent of bring back the biff was Tommy Radonikas. He would be the player that, uh, and the and the former coach who would be uh, out there saying, you know, we need to get back to a form of the game where men are men and they're tough out there and that kind of thing. So, so Tish, uh, yeah, very sad news. Uh, obviously, he battled uh, a little bit with cancer in the last few years. Uh, was up and down health wise, and unfortunately took a turn recently and uh, never recovered. So. Uh, our thoughts and prayers go out to uh, Tommy's family and friends who will miss him very much and, and obviously have very cherished memories about what kind of a player and a person he was. Tish, what are your thoughts about uh, Tommy Radonikus and do you have any particular sort of anecdotes or stories that you want to share uh, that typifies your memory of Tommy Radonikus? Well, look, I think Tommy Radonikus, he is, uh, you know, he's known for the old school Rugby League, the 1970s Rugby League, the Fibros, the Silver Towers, you know, just basically legendary stories, um, you know, and, he, you know, he was a proponent of the Western, you know, the Western Suburbs Magpies who obviously uh, have, you know, were joined into the West Tigers. So he's, you know, a true legend to a bygone era, right? So, um, and I think, uh, you know, I think Rugby League kind of owes uh, Tommy a lot, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, he, he kind of, you know, he played, uh, he played an, what twenty test matches for Australia, right? So, um, and twenty four times for New South Wales. So, um, you know, at, at halfback, which is the most crucial position. So the fact that he represented his uh, nation for so many years actually shows you just um, what a remarkable player he is. Even though he's kind of known for the the violence or the rougher type uh, part of the game. Um, you know, he's actually a very skillful player and that's what his record shows as well. And, um, you know, in some of the tributes, there's actually, uh, you know, there's, there's actually one really important fact, which is, you know, he ever he only ever played one State of Origin game and that was the inaugural State of Origin game. And he was actually captain of New South Wales. And, uh, you know, he played his great mate, Arthur Beetson, who was uh, the captain of Queensland. or well, I don't know if he was captain of Queensland at that time. Um, but, you know, those two... If you think about, you know, the the legacy of State of Origin or the, you know, the sort of the the pride um, that the the jersey has, I think that's built off the passion 
of Tom Rudonicus for New South Wales, um, and similarly to you know the way it's uh, you know the Queensland spirit comes from like you know the the heart and soul of Arthur Beetson. So um, you know there is calls uh, this this week or, or in, in the tribute that you know, perhaps the State of Origin trophy should be called the uh, the Beetson Rudonicus trophy. Which um, I wouldn't be against because I think that's the way you kind of mark the legacy of Tommy Rodonikus. You know, he, you know that sort of attitude that he brought to State of Origin and to Rugby League. I think is is what the essence of State of Origin is. Um, so I, I think that would be a, a fitting tribute. Um, in terms of stories, there've been plenty of stories that people talk talk about. Um, the one that kind of gets me a little bit because just to kind of share it, you know, the type of guy he was was that. Um, you know, I think there was a, a team where both Steve Mortimer and Tommy Rodonikus were both picked as halfback. Um, so, and they ended up having to share, um, you know, having to share a room together where there was a double bed and a single bed. Um, and um, apparently, as the story goes, obviously Tommy was, you know, even though he was the more established player, the older player, he was brought in as as the backup halfback. Um, but that didn't get to him, um, you know, Steve Warner got into the room first and and put all of his clothes and bags down onto the double bed, um, and Tommy Redongas just took all of his stuff and threw it out the window. Uh, <laughs> and apparently, just told Steve Mortimer, like you know, and I'm paraphrasing because obviously we cannot um, use the same sort of language he did, but it basically told him to go and get his clothes because um, they've uh, fallen out the window, and when you come back, just uh, make sure you put it on the single bed. Um, and uh, basically had apparently had a look that he wanted to fight Steve Warnemer. So uh, even his own teammates weren't spared. <laughs> wow. So, uh, but I think that kind of sums up the man and the myth and the legend, right? So, yeah. How about yourself, the Dr. T? Yeah, look, uh, there's no particular story. I think the story, I have heard a lot of these stories. I haven't had any particular kind of uh, direct interaction with Tommy Rodonikus, unfortunately, but... But yeah, he definitely, like you said, it was, he was one of these players that um, you know, almost everyone who who re- reacted in the media to his passing uh, had a story just like that one that you just recounted, where there was uh, some sort of uh, you know, again, an old school, you know, a, a, a very extreme kind of act or. <laughs> or event and uh, and and an old school reaction that he had you know which was basically i don't care if i'm a backup to you i am your elder <laughs> you know you will not uh usurp me that kind of thing and look again all of that was to to stamp his authority and to build mental resilience in, in his teammates and i think um you know, and also in many ways, I mean, I, I kind of agree with what you're saying about the if there are calls to kind of call the uh, the State of Origin trophy the uh, Beetson Radonicus trophy. In many ways, uh, what your what that reflects is not just what happened in that first official game in, in 1981, uh, but or or was it 80? Um, it was more. It was more a reflection of the fact that both these players were, I guess, the conscience of their respective sides. You know, you talk about in the in the 90s, there was a there was a period where you know the the Blues kind of lost their way and uh, you know needed needed some toughening up and needed a a connection to their past and inevitably 
journalists or, you know, the Blues would go to Tom, players like Tommy Radonikas who were successful in the past and and who, who really bring that conscience of the, of the Blues. They're the ones that bring the passion. They're the ones that bring, uh, you know, the the gravitas of being an elder and and that's kind of what he's been to not just the blues but also i guess in many ways to you know the magpies old magpies fans and and to rugby league in general he's been a bit of a mentor and and a, an old school elder who who would be there to sort of correct us if we were going in the wrong direction whether it's uh, you know to bring back the biff or to you know get get some of the toughness uh, and get some of the garbage out of the game, you know, some of the, the things that, that really don't contribute. Um, these are the kinds of things that Tommy Radonikas was renowned, renowned for, and he will be sorely missed. And, and like I said earlier, I think uh, it's quite sad uh, that he had to suffer um, towards the end there, and hopefully uh, well, we know he's resting in peace, and he will be looking over the very much uh, the rugby league fraternity and the future of the blues as well hopefully we will bring back the cattle dog in memory of him so yeah. um all right well, yeah sorry well, just, just one final thing about tommy redonkis just a i think another little little interesting fact is that yeah he's so synonymous with state of origin and new south wales and the passion of the blues um but since 1983 he's actually resided in queensland um <laughs> Is absolutely hilarious because he actually did pass away, unfortunately, in Queensland. So that's uh, the contradictions are many with Tommy. Exactly, exactly. Well, I mean, it is it is nicer weather up there. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. All right, Tay. Here we are with tackle number four, our expansion update. So uh, where we can, we're going to give you some uh, update and news on specifically on the expansion of rugby league and the NRL. And uh, this week there is a bit of a story with the Brisbane Jets. So they have an ambitious bid. Uh, They have launched an ambitious bid to poach a bunny star and coach. So they want Adam Reynolds and – well, Adam Reynolds to sign a one-year deal with – uh, with South Sydney and then join Wayne Bennett as a package deal when the new Queensland franchise they hope is set to begin in 2023. Uh, with Bennett in the box seat to land the head coaching gig for one of the three potential Queensland expansion bids pending approval from the NRL in July, of course, the door is now open for Reynolds to follow the seven-time premiership winning coach north of the border. Now, Reynolds, this all comes from the back of what we spoke about recently with Reynolds, the Reynolds and South Sydney standoff in terms of contract negotiations. And so um, at the moment where we're up to is that Reynolds is refusing to sign that one-year extension that South has offered. He, in fact, wants more than that. He wants to, you know, possibly retire there. But if that's not the case and he's – that leaves the door open for one of the new teams and obviously the Brisbane Jets, uh, who I believe these are the ones that are being bankrolled. Is it the Ipswich Jets, basically, Uh, or is it a different one? I'm not sure. I think it's related to the Ipswich uh, kind of bid. I keep getting confused with this one. It is. It's it's actually quite interesting because – there was the Brisbane Bombers um, bid, but they've actually merged with the Ipswich Jets to form the Brisbane Jets. That's the 
actual proposal. Right, okay, um, fair enough. Yeah, so Brisbane Bombers shareholder Nick Livermore confirmed that he has spoken to the, the um, you know, chief executive officer of the Bris- of the Ipswich Jets, which is Steve Johnson, and that's what the Brisbane Jets uh, bid is about. So, right, there you go. So, look, it's pretty exciting. I mean, look, if they're able to get Adam Reynolds and Wayne Bennett as a package deal, I mean, that sets the tone, doesn't it, for the success of the Brisbane uh, squad, the new Brisbane team, if it is the Jets. Uh, I have to say, though, it is somewhat ironic and interesting that Wayne Bennett was the first coach of uh, of the Broncos when they first started in 1988. And a good, mm, what, what does my maths tell me, 32 years later, 33 years later, he is in the box seat to, uh, to be the first inaugural coach of uh, the new Brisbane franchise, new Brisbane club, uh, the Jets. So if it is the Jets, of course. So, look, that's interesting. I think have they not had a better coach to, to lean on in 33 years? Uh, it kind of tells you something, doesn't it? Uh, it's It tells you something about the lack of options up there. No, no, it doesn't. It, it just says that they're, they're hoping to get Wayne Bennett towards the tail end of his career. Is it worth it? Um, you know, Wayne Bennett, Adam Reynolds, is that what you want to start? Uh, would you start your new Brisbane franchise with those two? Well, um, I think Adam Reynolds, yes. Wayne Bennett, look, I think I think Wayne Bennett just to um, get a foothold into Brisbane because he's a character up there, right? And, um, you know, pretty much, um, obviously, you know, it's a Broncos town, um, but there are a lot of people support Wayne Bennett and they kind of, um, I know there's a lot of people in rugby league very angry with the way they treated him, you know, in his last tenure. So, you know, that could uh, potentially spill out, you know, if the Brisbane um, Jets can actually land him, even as an ambassador to the club. It's going to, um, I think they could take some of the supporter base away from the Broncos, um, just, you know, fans of Wayne and, and that type of thing, because we saw it uh, with the South Queensland Crushers, right? Um, when they try to get in, um, the fact that they're taking on an established brand, you know, it becomes quite difficult, right, to get a, a foothold. So I think having a character like Wayne Bennett um, up there, um, you know, or associated with with that is going to help. Um, you know, there's talk of um, them also trying to get Cameron Munster and Harry Grant, right? So, <laughs> and then then you got to think how much of this is actual news or them just trying to sort of uh, drum up support for their bid. But look, if they could land Munster, Reynolds, or Grant along with Wayne Wayne Bennett, um, I think that is uh, that is a pretty good makings of a of a club that's going to have a bit of support, which is what they're going to need, obviously in the first few. Um, yeah, f- first few seasons. So, um, yeah, and I think the irony of the fact that Wayne Bennett was the first um, first coach of uh, the Broncos um, and the only, at the moment, the only premiership winning coach for the Broncos as well um, to now be associated with the, the new franchise. Um, yeah, it's, it's a very bold and uh, strategic move, I feel. Yeah. Um, and look, my interesting, you raised the crushes. That was, look, we we're talking about... Um, you're talking about how it's always difficult when you go up against a an established brand 
let's not forget that at, at the point that the crushes were initiated into the competition, the Broncos had only been there for seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, it was yeah. 88 and uh, 95, wasn't it, when when the, the Super League kind of started and all that kind of jazz went down. And, and really... In that time, the Broncos obviously rocketed from nothing to, you know, top of the league within a few years and won two premierships in a row and were riding on a high. And here comes a new team and the Broncos tried to do everything to crush them. And I think at this point in time, the Broncos don't seem to have the same power that they did before in terms of quashing the competition. And I think everyone recognises now that it's silly that we don't have a second Brisbane team given the amount of support we've got up there. Uh, you know, and, and I like the idea of the Brisbane Jets and I like the idea that it's uh, it's it's a bit of a unique thing. Some people, obviously, the Newtown Jets fans will, will, will be going a bit crazy, but obviously there is a bit of history and connection there with Ipswich and uh, the flying. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot they can do with that kind of imagery and that kind of uh, mascot as well and things like that and that logo. Um, but look, I... Yeah, Reynolds, I'm not sure if Reynolds and Bennett are the answer, but the th- I'm going to put a caveat on that, Tish, because this year, if I remember correctly, going back a few podcast episodes this year, I predicted that Souths will be there in the grand final. Uh, possibly the reality is they might actually be a contender for the premiership, even though it's a bit early stages, but... I think from what we saw last year and the fact that they've now got Latrell Mitchell, um, you know, is going to really add a lot to this squad. And obviously with Bennett being as experienced Mm -hmm. as he is, he may well pull a rabbit out of his hat this year (laughs) and, and be the first coach ever to win three premierships and three different clubs. Um, It would be Mm -hmm. unheard of. And he will go from, you know, super coach to smashing through the stratosphere and be unchallenged, I think, as a number one coach of all time. And is that the kind of coach you want to start a franchise with in Brisbane? Yes. <laughs> so I would say <laughs> if he's able to prove us wrong this year, um, I would say Brisbane Jets have just come up with a brilliant move. So good on them. Good luck to them because uh, the cards are probably going to fall their way and uh, to have Wayne Bennett back in his hometown would be a sweet deal for him. So good luck to them. Not sure what's going to happen, but we will keep an eye on it, I promise you, because expansion is something that we love about this game. We we want to go back to the era where, you know, where we did expand in the 90s and there was such positivity until the Super League walk came, <laughs> came crashing through and breaking some of that positivity down. So, look, there's a lot to look forward to. And uh, speaking of which, let's move on to tackle number five, which is League Around the World. And in league news around the world, there is a possibility, Tish, that France could host the 2025 Rugby League World Cup. And look, what we've heard is that the new International Rugby League uh, chairman, Troy Grant, is pressing for France to host the next Rugby League World Cup in 2025. Of course, France hosted the inaugural tournament in 1954 and is set to fill the whole 
created by the collapse of the bid by provisional hosts America, who are now being seen by Grant as a potential venue for 2029. So, look, who is Troy Grant? He is a former New South Wales Police Minister and Deputy Premier who has succeeded New Zealander Greg Barclay as Chairman of the International Body, and he has outlined his very ambitious vision at a media briefing last week, uh, conducted via Zoom, of course, in the COVID era, it has to be via Zoom, in which he promised transparency and accessibility. And Troy Grant obviously was appointed as an independent director in February 2020. And he says the IRL, International Rugby League, has ditched the traditional bidding process for hosting World Cups and he has begun talks over 2025 with new French president, Luc Lacoste. And to quote... Uh, Troy Grant, he says, France has to be a strategic priority. Hopefully we can build a compelling argument for the French government to be the host in partnership with us. I pitched to the French government that the Rugby League World Cup would be a trifecta of international events following the Rugby World Cup in 2023 and the Paris Olympics in 2024. We have to get that development back into France, which will be critical for another step up into broader Europe as well. They are happy to either have it wholly within France or to look at a multi-nation format with France as the lead, end quote. Tish, what do you think about this? Uh, It's coming from the IRL. It's not coming from France, but he's obviously pushing Troy Grant for 2025 in France and uh, potentially 2029 in America, but let's stick to France for now. What are your thoughts on, you know, that trifecta that he's talking about? Rugby World Cup in 23, Paris Olympics in 24, Rugby League World Cup in 25. It just seems like if you're a fan of sport in France, it gets better and better from 23 to 25. Tish, what do you think about that um, that proposal for France to host the 2025 World Cup? Yeah, well, look, I think, uh, well, look, uh, well, look, I like the fact that Troy Grant is is uh, very ambitious um, for rugby league. Um, the fact that I mean, it's a bold statement to say France, um, you know, that they were a rugby league powerhouse back in the days, but it's been a long time since they've been at the uh, pinnacle of rugby league. So the fact that he has gone out and said, "Look, we want this to happen. It's four years away," you know, kind of uh, very, uh, very. Um, uh, PVL-like, you know, just sort of making a bold prediction and just putting resources behind to make it happen. So I actually like the fact that they are thinking of that. I don't know if that is, if it's too early. It does seem a little early, but I think it's. Um, but I think the fact that it's it is what it, we're we're still four years away from it, right? So um, that gives us enough time to build something there um, to the point where it's not going to be a complete shambles. Um, how much media? I mean, this is the other thing you got to think about. It. Like, um, if there's a rugby world cup also being played earlier, and then uh, you know, and as well as an, an Olympic games, I'm just wondering. Um, you know, after all that, would France as a destination be exhausted? You know, um, <laughs> to now then have to hold a, a rugby league world cup as well. So, um, you know, it might look a bit minor league after uh, after all that sort of stuff. So. But look, I think I think look, well done on the ambition, and um, you know, Troy Grant, obviously, famous police minister who was arrested for uh, um, talking to somebody, um, you know, using his uh, phone in the car. Uh, 
Wally. So, um, and then he didn't even know that that was illegal, even though he was police minister, which is pretty crazy. But look, um, yeah, but I think I think I like I like the ambition, um, and I would just like to see a bit of an action plan, not just a a news report uh, to see how they would actually make it happen. Because at the end of the day, we want to fill up a stadium. You know, you want the rugby league world cup final to be in a in a packed stadium like Suncorp or Wembley Stadium, you know, with you know thirty, forty, fifty thousand people there. So can can that happen in France? Um, you know, potentially. Uh, you know, if depending on how the scheduling goes, if um, you know, if if you can make it affordable for people to to get over there and actually uh, get to the game, it could it could end up being a, a you know a masterstroke. But I think it's a it's a high risk, high reward strategy. That's that's probably where I'm landing. How about yourself, Doctor T? Uh, yeah, you make some interesting points. I mean, I just wonder whether yeah, you're right. I think the the risk for me, the danger is that it's going to be seen to be a bit of a letdown after the Olympics, in particular. Um, you know, and people say, "What? What is this sport? Never heard of it." You know, that kind of thing. But I think potentially they could leverage off uh, off what happens earlier. Um, you know, potentially there is going to be a rejuvenation of interest in different types of sports after seeing the Olympics in, in France. So who knows? Um, but, you know, definitely we need to make sure that we take advantage of whatever facilities and uh, and, and support we've, we've, we see there in France in general uh, the year before. But I think, look... I think the risk is if they wait too long after the Olympics, the the interest in sport in general will die down. Um, but you're right; if they if they do it too soon, then it may be seen as, uh, you know, what is this? <laughs> you know, this doesn't make sense. It's you know, it's nothing what compared to the yeah. What is this? This uh, preposterous croissant? This ain't no croissant. <laughs> this is a bagel. <laughs> you know, but who knows? Um, look. I, I just really hope that they. Uh, I like I like ambition, but I, I really would prefer ambition that's backed up by reality and on the ground kind of um, uh, problem solving. And I think potentially what Troy Grant's trying to do here is problem solve. Uh, you know, the problem being that the traditional bidding process hasn't necessarily led to, um, you know, uh, a rejuvenation of of international venues even though the game itself has kind of been rejuvenated thanks to what's happened with Tonga and, and some of the South Pacific nations. Um, and also the expand, the expansion uh, in the UK Super League, uh, well, although now with Toronto Wolfpack kind of retreating back to a North American league, things have changed a bit, but obviously that's COVID related. Um but yeah, I think I think in that respect, I think it's good that he's kind of trying something different, um, and uh, you know, making having those phone calls, making those calls to uh, to France and to America, and, and to see if they can get the support of people. But at the moment, it seems a bit speculative. So again, like I said before, we need to keep an eye on this, and we will because we are very interested in what's happening around the world in rugby league, and, and not just in the NRL here in Australia. And I think France is one of those untapped markets. I think I don't know if France is doing much in the rugby union world, but I think in the rugby league world, uh, there is a potential for France to um, really take advantage of uh, the kind of schmozzle that uh, that is English and UK rugby league at the moment, and uh, and and be that uh, kind of the the northern hemispheres version of Tonga. Uh, in a way, they could surprise everyone if they get the right players on board, 
and and definitely um, you know potentially give uh, rugby union players former rugby union players a bit of an option another option so I think there's a lot that they can do to further the game there uh, but look and, for, and let's not forget um, yeah. uh, Trent Robinson um, you know heading up the football operations for France now right so, that's right yeah um, yeah so so yeah a bit of momentum I feel for 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 France and um, yeah yeah as I said the more more players they could get into the NRL the better. Absolutely, and look, Josh John Mor- uh, John Morris might be looking for a job as well. So, who knows? He might end up being the France mascot. Yeah, uh, Jean Marie, <laughs> Jean Jean Valjean Morris. <laughs> anyway, look, uh, let's move on from the craziness. Let's get to our tackle number six, round six tips. Here we go. So after five rounds, uh, I am on 28 points and you're on 23. Last week, we didn't do so good. I got three out of eight and you got four out of eight. So let's see if we can improve our tipping this week, Tish. Uh, here we go. So Broncos v. Panthers. I'm tipping the Panthers. Yep. Look, I'm tipping the Panthers as well. All right, Newcastle Knights versus Sharks. Now, this will be an interesting one, given what's the news that's come out of the Sharks. Um, I'm tipping the Knights, however. Yeah, look, I'm going to tip the Sharks. I'm going to tip the Sharks, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Storm versus Roosters. Always an interesting one. Um, Roosters, I think, uh, look, this will be a tough one, given what mm, we yeah. talked about before with uh, Sonic versus Teddy. Um, up in the fullback position, what's going to happen with Origin this year? Uh, but I think the Roosters are playing overall a little bit better, so I'm tipping the Roosters. Yeah, look, um, you know, I'm going to tip Melbourne. It's at home, and I just think that with the young halves, I don't know how they're going to go up against sort of the more experienced Melbourne. All right, Manny Warringah Seagulls versus the Gold Coast Titans. And I, I think okay, I'm the first to admit, Tish, that I've I think been, somehow have totally missed the Titans uh, this year. I've slept on them, in, if that's if that makes sense. I am awake now, and I realise the Titans are a bit of a threat. So I'm tipping them against the Seagulls. Yeah, look, they're a, they're a team on the on the rise, the Titans, and I think. Um, if they go in the, if they're going to make the finals, they they're going to have to win these type of games. So I'm going to tip the Titans for me. All right, the Rabbitohs versus the Tigers, and I'm sorry to say, Tish, but I think the Rabbitohs are um, are shooing for this one. Uh, yeah, look, I'm going to tip the Tigers. I think um, what uh, what Sunday has proven that the Tigers are great at making um, bad teams look good, um, but they're also good at making good teams look bad. So, um, yeah, so let's see how they go. All right. Raiders versus Eels. Mm. The Ricky Stewart Cup. Um, I'm tipping the <laughs> Eels for this one. 
Yeah, look, this will be a blockbuster, I feel, and both coming out of a loss as well. Um, so, look, I'm going to tip... Uh, look, you know what? I'm going to tip the Raiders just because it's at home, um, but um not confident in that one at all. Uh, the St. Georgia War Dragons versus the New Zealand Warriors. And look, the Dragons are going for five in a row, and I think they'll get it. Yeah, look, I think uh, another team that is uh, definitely trending upward. I'm going to tip the Dragons as well. And finally, um, the Battle of the Bottom. The North Queensland Cowboys versus the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs. Uh, Look, the Cowboys at least won last game, whereas the, mm. the, Bay- the Bulldogs have not looked like winning anything. And I think that will continue because I think the Cowboys will win this one. Yeah, well, it, this is an interesting one, right? The Bulldogs have shown that they're t- a bit tenacious in defence, but not really. Um, <laughs> actually, yeah, no, that's not right. <laughs> Look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to... You know what? If Canterbury's get, Canterbury has to win a game in the first seven rounds, so I'm going to tip the Bulldogs... Um, you know, the Cowboys, they might be celebrating a bit too hard after uh, their hard foot. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. so, 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 and the Bulldogs, yeah, I think 18 points would have given them confidence. So, um, yeah, look, let's say uh, if they could put 18 points on the storm, imagine how much they can put on the Cowboys. That's what, <laughs> that's, that's what, what Trip Barrett must be thinking. So, well, if that's what he's thinking, then I don't like his logic one bit. <laughs> <laughs> but there you go. All right. Uh, well, that's the wrap. And uh, that's the wrap for the podcast. A big one, as always. Thank you very much, mm-hmm. everyone, for listening. And don't forget, you can reach us on uh, the usual kind of social media, Facebook and Twitter. Uh, our Check out our website, rrrepublic.com, where you can download and stream all of our podcasts and uh if you want to get in contact with us our republic at gmail.com if you want to give us any ideas of what you want to hear us talk about please do so through that channel and tish over to you to wrap this one up well thank you dr t I'd like to thank everybody for listening but that's all for this episode of the rugby league republic we're your hosts tish and dr t join us next time on the rugby league republic bye for now <laughs>